the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, it mentions the law four times here, and, and that's a reference to the royal law. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the royal law. The scripture has so much to say about how we interact with one another, and uh, much of it is found in the book of James, and that's where we are today, where Pastor Leighton Sheely is, as he continues his study in the book of James, the fourth chapter. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse. I'm Mike Trout, so glad you could join us on this Thursday. I hope after the broadcast you'll take a little time and spend it on the website for Church of the Highlands and investigate all that's going on at this time at the church. The website is highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And Pastor Layton begins with a bit of an unusual statement. If we're feeling good about ourselves, that's not a good sign. The closer we get to God, the more aware of how much we need His grace and mercy we become. How sorrowful we are for the sin. A wretched person describes someone who feels miserable and sorrowful for their condition. Like that tax collector who stood far off. He couldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. He beat his chest and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then he says to mourn and weep. And that inner sense of wretchedness is expressed outwardly with mourning and weeping. You know, before we knew God, we laughed at God. We laughed at the notion of God. We laughed at the sin, the concepts of sin. But that scornful laughter needs to be changed in the morning. When we realize that God is real, that sin is real, then we mourn over our sins. And it's only after we mourn that we will enjoy the joy that God gives us through his grace. He then says, <clears throat> James says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Remember back in verse 6, he said, God gives grace to the humble. Now he says, do something about it. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Humbling means recognizing our need for help and submitting to his will. And it's only when a person realizes their ignorance that they're going to ask God for guidance. And it's only when a person realizes their poverty that they're going to ask for God's riches of grace. And it's only when a person realizes their weakness that they're going to ask for God's strength. And it's only when a person realizes their own sin that they're going to ask God for forgiveness and salvation. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will lift you up. One of the most graphic and moving illustrations of this is found in Jesus' story of the, the prodigal son. You remember the story, a son took his inheritance, he made himself and the world best friends, 
and it eventually bankrupted himself. He came to his senses. He realized that at least the servants at home had food, and he realized he had no right to go as a son, but he came to his father and bowed before his father saying, I have done wrong. I don't deserve to be a son, but would you please, please, please accept me as a servant? He came to the father humbly, and the father lifted him up. Welcome home, son. Welcome home, son. If you come humbly to God, he will lift you up. And then he goes on and says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. You know, speaking evil is a result or product of evil desires. And it seems that James was dealing with some tremendous problems in the church of division, dissension, because certain individual, probably leaders, because he's mentioned that not once but twice in the previous chapter, are slandering each other and causing division and dissension. And the United Bible Society's handbook on translation makes the following observation. He says, it says, the expression speak evil against is a single verb in Greek, literally to talk someone down or to speak against. It is sometimes used of speaking against others behind their backs without giving them the chance to defend themselves and therefore has acquired the meaning of speaking evil against or slander. In the New Testament, it is sometimes listed as one of those vices and sins in the sense of false accusation. And at other times, it is used for harsh criticism and malicious or malicious accusation. Now, in the present context, the verb is used in the sense of criticism or accusation made against others and therefore may be rendered as criticize, slander, disparage. So the Greek word translated speak evil refers to any form of speaking against a person. And the tense of the word is such that it reveals that James is forbidding a practice that is presently taking place. Listen to what God said through the psalmist. Psalm 101.5. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. The apostle Peter says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Put it away. Be done with it. Don't participate. And he continues on. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now, it mentions the law four times here, and and that's a reference to the royal law. The ultimate royalty is God, and Jesus is God, and God gave the law, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the royal law. And obviously, you can't love your neighbor if you're speaking ill about him. And if a person breaks this law, he's setting himself apart from or above the law. He puts himself in a position to judge the validity of the law. Well, it doesn't apply to me in this case because he makes himself a judge of the law. But it's our duty not to judge the law, but to obey it. And so a person who speaks evil of someone else has appointed himself a judge. Jesus said, do not judge, or you too will be judged. 
For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus said, do not judge. And so when we judge, we're presuming that we are above and outside of God's law. We are judge over the law. And, and that fence against a fellow human being becomes an offense against God himself. Behind that critical spirit is an attitude that usurps God's authority, and it's full of pride. There should be no critical, harsh fault-finding in the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 14, 4, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Who made you judge over someone else? That's what Paul said. That's what James said. He says there's only one lawgiver and judge, and it's not you. There's only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So what is he saying? He is saying this, that God doesn't need any help from self-appointed enforcers. God doesn't need your help. To judge someone is to presume a place of authority that only God is entitled to. God is both the source and the enforcer of the law. And we are accountable to God. And our rightful place is to keep the law. Because behind that law is an awesome and holy God who promises to reward those who obey the law and destroy those who disobey. It is so very Very important that we must never forget that God is the creator and we are only creatures. I'm going to invite the ushers to pass now the elements of communion. And uh, Pastor James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There may be someone here among us today that the Holy Spirit has been speaking with, and, and you want to get right with God, you need Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. If that's the case, we're going to invite you to take the elements as they're passed by you, ask you not to eat of them or drink of them until we've all been served. But by you joining with us in communion today, you're asking Jesus Christ to become your Savior and Lord. And then if you're already a believer, again, James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How do we do that? By cleansing our hands and purifying our hearts. There is a part of the instructions that Paul gives us concerning this, this supper where he says that we ought to examine ourselves, and, and what that examination is, asking God's Holy Spirit to reveal to us things in our life that are displeasing to God, whether those things are thoughts or words or deeds, whatever it is in our life that's displeasing in God. Now, why would that be? Well, so that we can cleanse our hands and purify our hearts so that we can ask God's forgiveness. And you remember what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when we examine ourselves, we're asking uh, God's Holy Spirit to reveal to us things that we need to confess. And there, there are things that we do. We sin, all of us sin all the time. Sometimes we're, sometimes we're aware of our sin, other times we're not. And this verse explains that everything is covered. What it says is, if we confess our sins, 
we can only confess the sins that we're made aware of. But if we confess those sins that we're made aware of, he will forgive us those sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the, the sins we can't remember and confess. If we'll bring to him in confession the ones we know about, he'll take care of all of the rest. So I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes because we want to take a moment here to do as the scriptures say, to examine ourselves. And that's exactly what the congregation did do. And um, I encourage you to think about that at some point during today. It is so important as we look toward others and perhaps the difficulties we have in our relationships to take a long time and look inward at who we are and how we act and what the scripture encourages us to do and to be as a believer. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse, a broadcast outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, a ministry that has been on the air for many years here in the Bay Area. If you've heard about Church of the Highlands but have not taken the time to investigate it further, details about the church are on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I hope you have a great rest of your day and can join us for the Friday edition of our broadcast at this same time when we'll once more open the Word of God and study verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.